Good morning. Have you ever been hypnotized? Let me hypnotize you just a moment and say you are much warmer than you think you are. If you're cool, just scoot up next to that person beside you. You'll be surprised how warm you'll get. Well, I do apologize for the slight cool temperature this morning. I called our custodian and she said that when she left yesterday, the furnace was operating normally. When she came over at 7.30 this morning, it was not, and she had been working on it until people started coming to Sunday school, and then she left. So I don't know there's some malfunction, but we'll work it out, and I hope that you'll put up with just a slightly cooler temperature than usual this morning, and I promise we'll have it corrected by next Sunday. We're delighted that you are all here this morning, and I see a number of faces that are our visitors, and we are so pleased that you have come to worship with us this morning. We want you to feel at home because you truly are, because we love to have you come and share our worship with us. Each Wednesday night at 10 o'clock, Carlene and I settle down in the den, turn on the television set, and watch a program that we become quite fond of watching, Quantum Leap. The program is based upon the premise that a scientist has developed a machine whereby he can leap in time to other places just so long as the range of that time is within his lifetime. Having escaped the present moment and having become a traveler through time and space, he discovers that he's no longer in control of the machine that he built. And now, inadvertently, he enters into the lives of other people. He takes a leap into another time frame and discovers that he is living the life of another person but he soon discovers that there's a reason behind it. This particular person is about to commit an error, make a mistake of some sort that will affect that person's life. It is his responsibility to right that circumstance so that the impending tragedy will not take place. And it becomes an exciting adventure to see how people's lives can be changed just by the change of circumstance. Every well-ordered life ought to be able to take quantum leaps within the range of our lifetime, not into the persons of others, but leaps within our own person. We need to take quantum leaps into the past. David did. David was a young shepherd lad who had an adventure in battle that gained for him international fame, not only for the moment, but for all time. He marched out on the plain and with a slingshot, he slew a giant that was threatening the armies of his nation. And when he accomplished that great feat, he established himself in the favor of King Saul. Saul brought him into the court. 
gave him a prominent place there where he would play the harp, where he would calm the king at times of great problems. And he became fond of David, and David came to love him. But Saul turned on David, became jealous of the acclaim that David was getting when he felt he ought to be getting it for himself. And so finally he decided that he could not allow David to live. He would take the life of this young man who was threatening his popularity among the people. And so David fled from the palace. He who had been nurtured to love, to be caring, to be protective, now found himself cut loose from those he loved, those he cared, those he protected, and he was seeking to save his own life. Immediately, David returned to the place of his greatest triumph, he went to the priest who had in his care the sword that he had taken from Goliath, had slain the giant with that sword, and he asked the priest if he might hold it in his hands. And the priest went, and he got the sword, and he brought it to David. And David stood there, and he held in his hands the sword that had represented his moment of greatest triumph. There, returning to that moment, he gained strength and confidence in himself. He strode out now, not to run and hide, but to find his rightful place in the kingdom. And in time he did. And he who, flew, who fled for his own life in fear now became the greatest king of all Israel. His moment of triumph came when he returned to that time in which he had proven himself before, giving confidence that he could do it again. I have taken a quantum leap at times to the shores of Lake Junaluska, where in the summer of 1954, a senior at the University of Tennessee, I was struggling with what I was going to do with my life. I had been in pre-law, loved the prospect of becoming an attorney. I loved debate. I loved to stand and persuade. And the courtroom was very attractive to me, but there was something inside that put a barrier between me and my becoming a lawyer. I knew that there was something that I needed to do, but I wasn't sure what it was. And I had struggled for a long time. That summer's eve, a friend and I from the campus in Knoxville went to Lake Junaluska because a young evangelist was going to be preaching there. He was drawing crowds wherever he went, and by his reputation, we decided we would go out of curiosity. He was a native Carolinian, Billy Graham. His home was just a few miles from Lake Junaluska, and he came over that evening to preach to a missionary conference an unlikely group of people for an evangelist to address. It began with that magnificent operatic voice of George Beverly Shea booming out over those calm waters of the lake in that still summer's evening. It caused one's heart to pound with expectancy. And then that slight North Carolinian stood in the pulpit and began to speak 
quite slowly and measured tones to a house filled with missionaries. And he took for his text that evening, Watchman, what of the night? And there was a stirring as I listened to those words. Suddenly I began to have a revelation within myself that God was asking me to do something unique with my life, not to serve myself, but to serve him. That night I made a decision. That night I made a commitment, and I've never faltered in that commitment. From time to time, it gives me a great satisfaction to take a leap back into time and momentarily stand there in the shade of Lake Junaluska and listen to a measured voice call me into discipleship to the Lord who saw something in me he wanted to use. We take quantum leaps to those times in which something very special has happened because it says to us, it happened once, it can happen again. If ever there's a doubt about what one has chosen for himself, it is an opportunity to go to the moment of that beginning and find reassurance. Yes, it was the thing to do. Yes, I did make the right choice. Paul repeatedly told of his conversion experience. It made such an impact on him, he couldn't keep it to himself. He didn't tell it just once in the New Testament, but it's repeated over and I'm sure that wherever he went, he began by telling them what had happened to him. I remember in the small town in which I spent my childhood, there were revival meetings every fall. And a part of every revival meeting was a time of testimony. The people would stand up in the pews just where they were, and they would give testimony to experiences of the past. Most of the time, it was to tell of their conversion experience, but not all times. It was their way of keeping alive something that was very important, that they didn't want to lose the glow that had been theirs. There's a legend that says Mary Magdalene often went back to the resurrection garden, and she would spend long time there walking about alone. And friends said to her, why do you come back here? He's not here. And her answer was, no, he isn't. But this is where I met him. We need to take leaps backward to keep alive those high moments when God was most real to us. We need to take a leap backward to those times in which we made commitments. When we felt so strongly about something, we were willing to verbalize it and set the direction of our lives. Sometimes we forget, and we need to remind ourselves. I visited a young woman in the hospital. She had suffered from an attack of an ulcer. It had ulcerated, and her life was threatened. The doctors thought for a while that she might die. And there was a wait through the long night, and the young woman knew that she was at the brink of death. And after she had recovered sufficiently, she said to me, I came so close to dying, and I'm just in my 20s. I never thought that I could die so young. 
And as I lay there, knowing that I might not see morning come, I began to think how my, my life had been wasted. I really hadn't done much. I hadn't been a part of my church. I joined the church, but I hadn't done much about it. But I want you to know that right now, just as soon as I get out of this bed, I'm going to go back to that church and I'm never going to miss a service. I'm going to make something out of my life and I'm going to make up for lost time. And I applauded her for the decision that she had made and we had a prayer together. And she got out of the hospital. And the first Sunday she was there in the pew. And the next Sunday she was there in the pew. And the next Sunday, there she sat in her usual place. And the fourth Sunday came, and there she was in the pew. And the fifth Sunday came, and the pew was empty. And the next Sunday came, and there she was. And the next Sunday, it was empty. And the next Sunday, it was empty. And the next Sunday, it was empty. And then there she was. And she hasn't been back since. I see her occasionally. She seems to be happy. But she's forgotten that moment to which she needs to take a leap back. When faced with her mortality, she saw what things are important. But it's so easy to forget those things and settle down until another crisis comes. We need to return to those moments when we make decisions to remind ourselves of the importance of that moment that caused us to take that step lest time diffuse it and we no longer keep that pledge. We need to take steps backward to those moments when we took vows. The most beautiful vow that any one of us will make is when we stand with the person we love and we pledge this vow to the other. In sickness and in health, for good or for worse, till death us do part. How faces brighten up when they speak those words. And each bride and each groom means those words. You can see it written in their faces. And there's a statement in the wedding ceremony. Be well assured that if these vows are kept inviolate as God's word demands, God will bless your marriage, will grant you fulfillment in it, and will establish your home in peace. How can we break such solemn vows? We need to remind ourselves from time to time I remember that day when a tall, handsome gentleman stood in front of me at the altar of the Gatlinburg Church, and at his side stood a slightly built woman. Years showed more in her face than his. They had shared 50 years of their lives together. They had great dreams in the beginning. They were going to go away as missionaries and they were going to make a great impact in the Middle East. Her health didn't permit that and so instead they accepted what they thought was a lesser role. They came to the great Smoky Mountains and brought healing to the people who were deprived there long before modern medical science came to the mountains. 
But now the task was over. There were hospitals now in the mountains. There were doctors in every village. They were no longer needed for the cause for which had brought them to the mountains. But they struggled on still giving their lives. It had been hard for them. They'd come out of metropolitan New York and they had accommodated themselves to the ways of the mountain people and they loved it. And now they stood there after 50 years together and they renewed their marriage vows. They were like a young couple. His eyes lighted up as he held her hand and spoke the vows that they had pledged so long before. I stood at her bedside when she was no longer able to recognize me. And he stood at my side and tears wouldn't come to his eyes. He had lost the lovely woman he had spent his life with, but he never left her side until the moment that she wasn't here any longer. You can't take vows like that for granted. We need to go back every once in a while to leap back to that moment when we took a vow and honor that vow. That's the most beautiful vow we'll ever take. But the most important vow we'll ever take is when we promise that we will be a follower of our Lord. To me, it is so important that there be a time in which we can return to, to remind ourselves that there was a moment when I pledged my life to Him. So that whenever I have a confirmation class, before the class is finished, I bring them into the sanctuary. It doesn't matter when they might have had a religious experience. It doesn't matter if they were nurtured in the faith or they were captured by the faith. I have them kneel and I have them to verbalize their commitment. I say to them, for the rest of your life, you'll be able to look back to this moment and know that there was a time when you made a promise that you would be a disciple of Christ. And then they stand before the altar. Will you be loyal to your church? And will you support it by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service? And not one person has ever joined the church that has not taken that vow and yet each year we write down separate roles that we call inactive members. An inactive member is simply one who broke his vow. We need to take a quantum leap back to realize that a vow was made to God, a vow to be kept. We must take quantum leaps back into the past, not to go wandering, one who wanders in the past is losing out on the present moment. And there are so many of us who are unwilling to enjoy the present because we want to live in the past. We must never wander in the past, but we must leap in and out of the past in order to keep alive and rich those high moments of our lives. And then we must take a leap into the future. Not bodily, but by imagination, simply to ask, in what direction am I headed? Where will my destination be? For it is the step that we take in this moment that determines where our journey will end. 
And not everyone ends up where he meant to go. But it's only the fault of the person who chose the direction to go. The present is what it is because of what the past has been. And the future will be what the present has become. So today let well lived. Today well lived makes every yesterday a dream of happiness. And every tomorrow a vision of hope. For it is in this moment that we can set our face toward our destination. Jesus did early in his lifetime when he came to that moment of determining how he would spend his life he went out into the wilderness and there he struggled he struggled in a sense in the way in which I struggled that night at Lake Junaluska he struggled in the wilderness for days and when he came out he had set the destination in his mind he knew what his life would become Later, when it became time to evaluate, he went back up on the mountain. Here, transfigured in the presence of those he loved, he counseled with God and came down knowing once again where his destination would lead him. And the Bible said, he set his face toward Jerusalem. That simple statement about Christ told us what he would do with his life from that moment on. We need to take a leap to determine where we set our faces toward, whether we set our faces toward the attainment of things in this world that are only temporary, or whether we are struggling for the things that are eternal. And we can set our face toward either and no one can force us to do the other. Only we can make that determination. We set our faces toward the things for which we have affection. Paul, in writing to the church at Colossus, said, Set your mind on things above and not upon the world. Throw off those attributes that are worldly and put on the garments that are godly and thus prepare yourself for the heavenly kingdom. If our affections are upon the things of this world, then the paths that we follow will lead us in circles in the world. But if our affection is upon things above that are Christ-like, that are God-like, then our destination will be there in his presence and that's the place where we all want to come in time. So the present moment belongs to us. We can live this day, live it just for what is within the course of this day, or we can live it knowing that we have lived well the past with the determination that we will live even well, even better the time to come. And now this. Today is only a narrow corridor between yesterday and tomorrow. 
We can't recapture the past, but we are yet to make tomorrow what it will be. Take a leap in your imagination to where you want to be when your life comes to a close and set your face toward that destination. Amen.